In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We celebrate the Holy Ascension of Christ today, continue the celebration. And Father John Finley's great uh, response to this is uh, um, when you say that Christ has ascended, he says, Almasi gone. Just so you know. But in that way, he's never gone from us, and so we we now engage this life uh, in a uh, in a way in which Christ, for the disciples, is not present as he was before, but now he's present mystically. He's not present physically. He's present mystically. Uh, he's not present visually. He's present mystically. So we have this great tradition passed on from the Holy Prophets through the Virgin Mary and the birth of our Savior, all through His life, His, uh, his death, His resurrection, and now His ascension. Uh, and we see now the beauty of our Savior ascended in glory into heaven. But the question today, according to the Holy Fathers, is who is this Christ? I want to begin by describing uh, my mother to you. My mother uh, is quite tall, surprisingly tall. She has brown eyes and she looks quite young compared to the think that she's, she's very old now. She uh, has very few opinions and uh, having four boys in the family, it's quite interesting to me that she stays quite distant from her children. Thinks very little about them. And she, when asked about something, she will very seldom give you a bitey answer. Now, those who know my mother, was that my mother? No. But those who didn't know my mother, did you think that was my mother? Well, you see, that's what happened in the history of the church. Christ began to be described in a different way than he was. And so, according to what we hear, that if that is not the Christ, then we don't have eternal life. If that is not the Christ we find ourselves being distanced from the Father, not growing closer to the Father. So it's very, very critical that we believe in the right Christ. Not some, not some opinion about someone, but a Christ that was passed on from the Old Testament prophets, through the Virgin Mary, through the Apostles, through the Holy Fathers of the Church, to us today. 2,000 years have passed. And so the description of Christ can change greatly in that period of time. And so we see today in the epistle the warning really given by, uh, by St. Luke uh, and, say, and, and by Paul in this time when he speaks. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
to take care of the church of God, which he ordained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, you will rise up men speaking perverse things to draw you away and your disciples away from them. And so even there, in the very beginning of the church, St. Paul warns that there's going to be a struggle here. That this Christ is going to be, the description of this Christ is going to be perverted. And if it's perverted, it's not the right Christ. If it's not the right Christ, we don't have eternal life in Him. And so it becomes so critical for us to understand the importance of believing in the right Christ. For it says in the Gospel, And this is eternal life, that they may know thee the only true God, Jesus Christ, and whom thou hast sent. So the critical importance here, beloved, is to understand why it is so important that we believe in the right Christ and that right Christ is before us continually. You know, we years and years ago, in the early 70s, we began to be taught in the parish that we were in then, um, kind of a Protestant evangelical parish, uh, kind of we were off and doing some home churching, and we began to be taught a false doctrine. And I, the reason I say this isn't because uh, I'm trying to point the finger in that direction, but what happened to us is we became spiritually sick because of that teaching. And when we started to be taught the truth, guess what happened? We got well. We got well by being taught the truth, and we got sick by being taught, taught the error. So that's, that is a, a personal experience that kind of solidifies this idea how important it is for us to, 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 to embrace the truth. So, we believe in the right Christ. We want to be drawn to the Father. We want to have eternal life. And the fathers of the First Ecumenical Council fought for this vigorously. You know, sometimes we wonder why such a, a big fight over what seems to be such a little issue. Christ was just being taught, it was just being taught that Christ wasn't fully God. That's all that was being taught. He wasn't fully God. He was fully man. All the doctrines of the church kind of lined up. The one thing that wasn't being taught, that he wasn't fully God. What would happen in that case? Was that the right Christ? Was that truly Christ? Was that truly my mother? It wasn't the true Christ. And so the Father said, if we start believing in something that's not correct, we're believing in the wrong Christ. If you're believing in the wrong Christ... You lose eternal life and you do, you do not journey through that Christ to the Father. So critical. We understand how critical this fight is and was. So, let us begin kind of this journey for the truth through the Scriptures. When we turn to the Gospel, uh, the first epistle of John, uh, we see these words, John 1, 5-20. 
He says, uh, 5.1, chapter 20. You don't want to read 1 to 20. And, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So we understand from this and from what we have read and understood about the history of the church is that first and foremost, this truth, to maintain the truth, is going to be a war. There's going to be a fight. Deceivers are going to come among you. They're going to come up from the church. They're going to come in from the world. They're going to, try, they're going to make an attempt to destroy the truth. And so we have to be aware and on guard for this. Uh, we see this in the world. We see this, the truth of God, the way of Christ, the way of the Christian is being attacked today. We see that it's, it's okay to take the life of a baby from the womb of a mother. It's even legal. It's even encouraged. We see that we can move in with someone and live with them before we get married. And that's okay. We, we understand that from the world's teaching that we can engage sexually before marriage with a same-sex partner or with a heterosex partner. All that's like okay. And not only, not, not just okay, but it's promoted. In fact, if you stand against it, you're seen as an enemy of that which is right and good. You see how the world is coming at us, is coming, and it's no longer subtle. It's becoming very, very aggressive. So we must hold on to this truth. We must say with, with all our soul and heart and defend it that, that we're not standing for any of these behaviors. That they all are ways in which we move away from God, not toward God. And so we have to understand and, and be, be affirmed in what we believe and stand firm in that against the things of this world because they are chipping away. I remember one time... Years ago, Father David Ogan stood in the old church in Isla Vista and he held up the Bible and he said, you know what this Bible is going to be called one day? A hate book. And by some, it's called that right now. This Bible, it, it, it's promoting things that aren't right and good for humanity. Is this true? Is this the truth? Absolutely not. You see the war we're in? You see how vigorously we must stand for the truth? Deceivers will come among you. They will try to destroy you. And, and that stuff will seep into your midst. We must stand, beloved, against this truth. We must understand with the words of St. Paul and the words of our Lord Himself that this will be a war. We have to stand up for what is true and right. So, may, may God help us in that. And secondly, truth. Truth to us, uh, to the Christian, is freedom. Let me read from uh, John 8, 
verse 32. Let's get to it. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then he goes on and says, Most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. So he's talking about truth being a freedom from sin. Free from sin. How many of you would like to be free from sin? Well, thank God. Well, if you abide in the truth in Christ, we will be free from sin. Abide in the truth. Now, how do you abide in the truth? I mean, we can say that, kind of make an intellectual uh, effort in that way. But there's very practical things the church has done from the very beginning that has helped us abide in the truth. One is you have to be united to Christ to, be, to abide in the truth. How are you united to Christ? Baptism. United to His death and to His resurrection. So you're united to baptism. You need the blessing of the Holy Spirit. How do you get the blessing of the Holy Spirit? You get chris chrismated. You live in the baptism of Christ under the seal of the Holy Spirit and then, if you're going to live this Christian life, you need the medicine of immortality. You need to take the body and blood of Christ. Now, how do you do that? You take Holy Communion. Now, if you st sin and stumble, and how many do you sin and stumble? You're not raising your hands. I'm very disappointed in you. You need to confess. You need to go to confession. What's confession do? It heals you. It, it, it allows you to get strength over the sin you have confessed, and it begins to, and God forgives you for that sin. So you can live this way. You can live in the truth this way. If you want to abide together in uh, the community of marriage, that marriage, sancti sanct you're sanctified in that community of marriage. You are bound together. You are saved by one another in that community of marriage. You know, the Lord said, Lo, I will be with you always to the close of the age. And so He gave you unworthy priests and deacons to help care for you. Are you laughing, Faye? The unworthy, the unworthy, unworthy. Just affirm that. So we live in this life, beloved. The, the key is how do we live free? in Christ from sin by abiding in the life of the church. That's how we live there. It's not in any other way. You don't find that by reading a book, by going out there and making a personal effort. All those things may be good, but the way we live in the truth, abide in the truth, find freedom from sin in the truth, is by living in the life of the church, center of that life. So God help us do that. And then, in the Psalms, we read the power of the truth. Um, Psalm 91, verse 4. He shall cover you with feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction that lays waste at noonday. So your truth, this truth, will be a shield. Now, that shield is so critical to know, you need to know what that shield is and how important that shield is. 
That shield, beloved, is the church. As St. Paul says, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so we see this shield in several ways. The first way we see it is you're doing it right now. You're worshiping God. In the worship of the church is a shield. It protects what we believe. Look around you. Look at the iconography. Look at, what, look at the words of the liturgy. Those are all, they're 1,600 years old. They shield, they, they protect that which is true and right. Now, I had an idea this morning to come and rewrite some of the prayers. So I was going to just ad-lib some of the prayers for you today. How would you have felt? A little like, what's he doing? Actually, who is he? Why is he doing that? Those are prayers of St. John Chrysostom. Who do you think he is? You see? We are, that's, that, this liturgy protects us. It protects what is true and right. It protects the revelation of Christ. And then we, we, we read the lives of the holy saints. That protects us. That guards the truth. We read the, the teaching of all the fathers of the church historically. For 2,000 years they're teaching. That shields the truth for us. That's a protector for us. We see the doctrines of the church. We'll say it today. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. That was written in the year 325 and has shielded the truth, been a shield and a buckler of the truth so that we can stand firm against uh, any, any error. And we see then that these, these, these traditions that the church has, has formed and given to us are the shield for us. Thanks be to God that we have a shield. And it's not personal opinion. It's not the, the charisma of the priest. It's the church in her entirety that shields and protects the truth. And so too now, we, let's read from John 14, um, chapter 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So we see this revelation of Christ. We see Christ being revealed to us as the way, the truth, and the life. And I, I, I want you to understand something, and I, I've said this over and over again uh, in many instances, but this life, these words you read, the, the liturgy you participate in, the building you stand in, you look through those things to see the truth that those things represent. You look through stuff here. You don't look at stuff here. You look through it. We look through the icon of Christ. And who do we see? Christ. We look through the icon of Mary. And who do we see? Mary. We look through the cross. And what do we see? The cross of Christ. You understand this. How powerful this is. This revelation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we go to the Father through these things. All, everything here is to be looked through, not at. Every word, we look through that word. O Son of God, 
we look through that word, that word leads us to Christ. Our Father who art in heaven, it leads us to the Father. So beloved, through, through the liturgy, when you come to church, understand that it's through the things here that you are finding God, that God is being revealed to you. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and He leads us to the Father. So, may God bless us this day. May we, along with all those that have stood in the path of the truth and affirmed that which was right and good, be given the blessing of eternal life, be, giving, be given a journey to the Father, that we too may ascend in glory into heaven and sit at the right hand of our Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.